Today on Stick to Football, we get you ready for the weekend. It's Friday the 13th, and we are going to run through everything that's happening in college football, NFL, NFL draft before picking the week three college football games. I think it is. Yeah, it's week yep. three. Oh, officially. God. Officially. Top five three. Heisman candidates as well. And you can watch us on YouTube. You can see I just almost hugged Mello because it's been a day. I can barely walk, but I'm okay. And uh, Connor's on the yeah. show, too. <laughs> Connor and I are going to be hanging out in New York, actually New Jersey, Monday night. So confusing. We will be in lot E11 at 530. Come get drunk with us. I need it. it it's you gonna, need it. It's going to be a hell of a weekend. <laughs> it's been a fun week. Uh, I need it. We all need it. E11, I do want to say before we get into it, there will not be a Monday morning show. And I know y'all are tired of us jerking you around with the schedule. I'm sorry, but there won't be a Monday show. It'll be Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday next week. We will eventually get back on a normal schedule, but tailgate tour means we got to shuffle some things around. So no Monday show, sleep in, I know, listen to that new Taylor Swift album on the way to work. I mean, that's what I've been doing. Same, actually. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. I kind of like it. Um, I want to ask you guys a question. And have you ever had mono? Everybody yeah, on the show I've had it. Two-time mono haver. So is it mono if you've had it twice? Yeah, <laughs> no, he's had duo. So. It's duo when you've had it twice. I had it. Um, I was uh, nineteen, I think. Um, and I was as we were telling Connor before we started recording. If you've ever dated a girl from Southeast Kansas but live in Southwest Missouri, you've probably had mono. <laughs> Yeah, I think the males in like Southeast Kansas are almost immune to it by this point. So all those gorilla fans that we have listening, uh, there you go. You know that already. I actually, when I was in high school, there are two rival high schools, not that we went to, but there are two rival high schools in Southeast Kansas. Uh, one of them is called Colgan St. Mary's. They're a Catholic school. It's a private school. And there's another one called Frontenac, Kansas. Two pretty good football teams uh, that are about, what, 10 miles apart, probably. And I actually heard of a story of a girl who got mono the week that they had to play each other. I don't know if it was in- intentional or not, but I do know she got mono and she spread that to members of the rival football team intentionally. She purposefully spread that mono to the other team. I don't know what's going on up there in New Jersey with the Jets, but Connor, maybe there's a conspiracy theory. Maybe there's some lady up there. Spreading yeah, mono. some people it's think they uh, dumped off Demarius Thomas to the Jets with mono, but all I know <laughs> is I'm safe. I think I've already had it. Um, and this sucks. I mean, it's pretty awful news for the New York Jets. Uh, when it first came out, it was, hey, you know, Sam's not going to play Monday night. I don't want to go all doctor here, but you guys know this as well. When I had mono, it was in the middle of lacrosse season. I felt fine after 10 days. You cannot play contact sports for at least three weeks right. because of your spleen when you have mono. So the Jets are a little lucky in a sense that their bye is week four, which is as early as it can be. But Sam Darnold is going to miss some time that's more than Monday, and it's going to be the Seaman show in New Jersey right now. Trevor Simeon, that's actually our dead friend who used to be on the podcast. That's how he lost his spleen. He had mono, played in a softball tournament. It's dangerous. Spleen ruptured. And then he dies like 18 years later, so it was Ooh. a slow burn. Oh. But you do have to be really, really careful with that because, Definitely. yeah, I mean, like I said, I had it right after high school, and there were like no like intramural sports, no basketball on the weekends. It really does take no about wrestling. two weeks. You feel like you're going to die. No <laughs> wrestling. No tipping cows for me for those two weeks. It was brutal. Uh, you got to like shut shit down for the, for the amount of time. So, 
Yeah, I feel bad for Sam. I feel bad for us because we're going to be there to watch this game, and now we don't get to see Sam Darnold. I guess the good news is Le'Veon Bell, the MRI on his shoulder came back negative, so we are going to get to see him. But, I mean, like, this whole Jets team is banged up. C.J. Mosley left the game last week. I think Quentin Williams was maybe limited to practice as well. So, geez, Yeah, it's going to be great. I can't wait to see. Here's the thing. If the Browns don't win this game against just a beat-up Jets team and old googly eyes, it is bad the news for Freddie Kitchens, case. and I, we might see a mutiny if they don't win this game. I, I agree with you, too, and I will, I'm sad that I won't be able to join you fellas up there, but I, I was obviously rooting for the Jets because of the opposing team's quarterback, but I was really looking forward to the showdown, and I think that I won't say this is a rivalry, but there's like bitterness between these two fan bases of, oh, our quarterback's better. I was really looking forward to seeing these two guys play. Absolutely sucks. Obviously, Sam Darnold's health is more important to this game, but I really was looking forward to these two guys dueling it out uh, in New York. Yeah, it definitely, you know, puts a big damper on things. Obviously, Sam versus Baker again. And and just the fact that this is really a must win game for both teams. And now, it, you know, the line has jumped up to six and a half for the Browns. The Jets aren't even expected to be in this game. I, I do think they'll come out with having a check down like Le'Veon helps. Hopefully they'll keep it competitive. Uh, I think Greg Williams versus Odell Beckham just got a lot more interesting right now. If you're looking for some kind of reason to get invested in this game, if you need any more, though, we're going to be having a hell of a time in E11. So don't dump off your tickets yet. We're giving you a reason to still come to the game. We're going to have a blast. I do think it's going to be one of our biggest and best tailgates yet. You're going to want to see what I'm wearing. Like, just uh, come for I think you've that. already put it all over social media. Well, I'm gonna maybe see, for people who don't follow me, they're going to want to see what I'm wearing. Yeah. I actually had to order something else. That jersey was too big. Never mind then. So a Trevor Simeon jersey, hopefully. That's what it's going to be. One That's winning quarterback, is, right? Of the starters, the the vapor black Trevor Simeon jersey on the back. Oh, it just says go. semen. Do they was, really make those, or would you have to you'd special have to custom order, order that one? <laughs> yeah, you got to custom that bad boy. Yeah, I would just get a my own name. I get Maddie Mills on the back. <laughs> I think you should for for <laughs> the tailgate tour. It would have been number sixty nine, Maddie yeah. Mills. Damn, it's, not, it's probably not too late. Can we rush order one of those now? Maybe for another you got game. time. Overnight it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I do want to talk about this. They, they came down the pike. California, uh, God bless this state. They have decided that uh, it's called fair play. Basically, college athletes can now profit off their likeness, which is something that we've really been uh, advocating for. That's the word I was like for for now two and a half years. As long as this podcast has been around in California, student athletes can now do this, which I, I think is incredible and calling it fair play is important because it is about time this is the most fair way in my opinion for college athletes to profit off their skill set if you are usc or ucla or stanford this is a really gonna help with recruiting but hopefully what this does is really starts a ripple effect across the country where we will see conferences maybe even other states follow suit I, i think this leads to not only Hopefully a little bit more parity in college football, because um, if you say you're Rondale Moore and you're at Purdue, Purdue's not a very good school, but you're the guy and you are electric there and everyone knows who you are. You have a chance to even now make more money as the star for Purdue than you would as another guy on Alabama or another guy at Ohio State. So I could even see this helping with parity. But most importantly, this could help us get college football back as a video game. Yeah, obviously, I think when everybody sees that news come across the wire that this is going down, I think that's the first thought is, oh my gosh, can we get this college football game back? Because that's what I'm interested in. But I I am 
curious to see what these other conferences do now. Uh, obviously, the Pac-12 is going to be very affected by it. But how is this going to affect the Big 12 and the SEC as well? Because the SEC is not going to sit around and say, wait, we're losing guys from Texas, Louisiana, Florida, and they're all going out to California now where they can get paid. I think it will be very quick before we start to see guys like Nick Saban calling up their their members of Congress and saying, we need to get something done here. Calling your politicians, trying to get this done in other states because the people in Texas aren't going to like it either. You get these kids from Texas leaving to go to UCLA, it's going to be a big deal. They want to keep them at home. I want to see what they can do with these other conferences. I absolutely love it, and I think it's going to force change from the NCAA. They have to change now. They're going to have to adapt to what they've been doing for the last couple of years, and it's just not working. Nobody's happy with it, so good for the state of California that they're finally coming through and, and actually looking out for their players. And, and in response to that, isn't the NCAA trying to block it now? Which they are. Is- and that's got to be a part of it besides the fact that they're just demons. But it, when it comes down to it, this will be a pretty long, drawn-out probably process. But it's a step in the right direction for something that's so long overdue. And obviously on this show, we're very excited about the aspect of NCAA football coming back to uh, any console. But also just the fact that, like, remember a couple of years ago, the kicker that had a YouTube channel that was successful and he yeah, had to walk right. away yep. from football? That's like that's just bullshit is what it comes down to. And this is definitely – California is getting the wheels going in motion here for something that hopefully in a couple of years will be nationwide. Yeah, and that's one more thing about it is it's not like the schools are coming out and they're pay, playing these pay, players. That's tough to say. It's going to be money that they're making from like Their a likeness. YouTube channel. Yeah. Or exactly. Or going out, even look at it from not a football point of view. These other kids, like a volleyball player going out and hosting a summer event. Now she can go get paid a couple extra dollars based on what she's doing. Or, or you see some of these other people come home, a baseball player helping out at a hitting facility. You can throw a couple dollars his way now for coming and helping out. Or football players too. Signing an autograph, being used in a video game that's going to make millions, if not billions of dollars as soon as it comes back. You're just throwing a little money their way for them being them. That's it. No schools recruiting and saying we're going to pay you this much money. So I love this plan, and I at least want to see how it shakes out. If it's not good, if it's affecting recruiting and it seems a little scummy, then you know what? We can go and we can make changes. But we need to try something new, at least for now. That's my thing. Everyone's like, oh, this isn't a great final solution. Okay, well, it's a step in the right direction, at least, of figuring some of this out. Like Melo just said, okay, if if there are holes, we'll change them. But this is we can adapt. We can be flexible, but something needs to happen. Uh, one thing I do want to get to, guys, some some Mark. Gosh, darn, I cannot talk today. Some major injuries happening in the world of college football. That really is going to affect the 2020 NFL draft. Stanford left tackle Walker Little is going to miss the rest of the year with a knee injury. He was seen by many as a potential first round pick. Uh, Purdue linebacker Marcus Bailey. I thought he was the best senior linebacker in the country behind Isaiah Simmons. Uh, he is now out for the year with a knee injury. Jake Bentley uh, out for the year South Carolina quarterback with, I believe, a foot injury. So three names, two of them really good. One of them plays quarterback uh, who are out for the year now. And that's really going to shake things up. Walker Little, it's early enough in the year we could see him maybe still enter the draft. Marcus Bailey can actually apply for a sixth year of eligibility if he would like to. <laughs> and the same with Jake Bentley. He's a senior, but he could use a medical red shirt because he played as a true freshman. Right, and he was already a young guy. He, like, reclassified or whatever it's called. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Marcus Bailey and Jake Bentley both coming back next year uh, to see what they can do. With Walker Little, 
I don't know if we'll see him in a Stanford uniform again. I could see him recovering from this and saying, you know what, I'm going to go ahead, test the draft waters and see what happens. He was very high on people's board. Uh, I think he would at least be in that second to third round. So it will be interesting to see what he does if he does elect to come back to Stanford. But hopefully all three of these guys uh, do recover well and they all get healthy. Yeah, on a college football scale, these injuries are huge. On the draft scope, you look at Walker Little, like you guys just said, and it, it definitely flips things upside down a little bit. I feel like all of us on this show acknowledged over summer, he had a long ways to go in terms of developing, but in terms of tools and raw traits, uh, he had it all and had a chance truly to get into the top 30 picks, top 20 picks next year. So I'll keep an eye on what he's going to do. The demand on offensive linemen, even raw offensive linemen at tackle has been as high as ever in the NFL. He'll have to wait and see what kind of feedback he gets from the advisory board, how his recovery comes along. But that's definitely the one uh, to highlight from this group. Wildly popular segment that we did last week. It's called (laughs) Blind Killed It Recap. Mello got nothing right last week. Not even the location. No, it was absolutely (laughs) terrible. I'm going to try to do a better job this week. And we did have one person tweeting at me that was like, I was so confused when I listened to this segment. Uh, I thought it was funny, but I had no idea what was going on. Right now, we are recording this. It is 4.30 Central Time on Thursday. We have not watched Thursday night football yet, but I don't think that that's an excuse on a reason why we shouldn't cover the game. It's very important. It's the only NFL game out right now. We have to talk about it. And let me tell you, Matt Connor, very impressed with Christian McCaffrey. I think that he is the running back that we all thought he was going to be very high draft pick and it's starting to show off how they're using him in the past game, uh, using him as a check down, splitting him out wide still. Very impressive game. I, I think he got almost 100 yards rushing if not more and obviously the touchdown was a exceptional as well and I think there's still a lot of question marks around this Tampa Bay team where I just don't know if they're going to get it done obviously Jameis Winston had a terrible game surprise so bad I think that maybe we even have to have a quarterback change here great game I'm glad that we got to watch it Uh, very impressed with Christian McCaffrey for on my part Mello going out on a limb here on the blind recap here's what I'll say I think Brian Burns is making a statement as let's go a potential defensive (laughs) rookie of the year candidate we saw it throughout the preseason I know it's Tampa Bay and we saw them really struggle last week to slow down Nick Bosa and the San Francisco 49ers but Brian Burns the technique the speed off the edge when the spin move that he put on the right tackle and then just crushing Jameis it's elite you see the flashes there and and I'll say I'm going to echo what Melo said Jameis Winston another double turnover game it's time to get this guy off the field yeah and I looked at this game and I thought Donovan Smith made a statement as well because he got away with highway robbery recently when he got that 41 and a half million dollar deal he got smoked in this one got his quarterback killed again Christian McCaffrey you said it already Melo but eight catches over 150 all-purpose yards. Uh, Yeah, easy, easy cover for Carolina in this one. Week three of college football is here. I'm going to continually mess this up because it's a segment two, and my brain just sees the two and thinks it's week two. It's week three. College football review. I was terrible last week. Terrible. Uh, Not good. I got one game right on the pick so I need to rebound this week. I lost 100 bucks on Syracuse. I didn't pick... A game right, basically. So this week I'm back. Mellow's at ten and five. Connor's at three and two. I am gonna get fired from my own show. I'm seven and eight. Let's start here, guys. Number twenty, Washington State minus ten at Houston. The over under is a whopping seventy four. Yeah, I was and gonna, I'm gonna say tell that. you to take the over, but I, I you gotta take the over. It's, it's Mike Leach and Dana Holgerson. They might score one hundred and fifty. 
not really, but they're going to score. They can score 100. They definitely could. I am taking Washington State. Houston just cannot play defense. Yeah, I'm, I'm agreeing with you, too. And I want to see what Washington State can do because people have been in my mentions of not giving them enough credit. It's, it's nothing personal. You're breaking in a new quarterback every year now, it seems like. So it takes a little bit of time to really figure out what Washington State has. I do think that they have enough to beat Houston. Houston? Kind of disappointing, really. I thought they would come out and start the season a lot better than what they did. I didn't expect a win against Oklahoma, but I expected a lot of points. And if you struggle to put up points against that Oklahoma defense, usually that's not a good sign. So we'll see what they can do. I do expect them to hit the over in this. If it's set at at 74, I'd go ahead and hit that over. Yeah, if we were talking about the spread in this one, I'd feel a little bit more conflicted, but I think Washington State is just going to win this game. And there's not going to be not a defense had in this matchup, boys. No. And, hey, by the way, speaking of Washington State, how about our guy Gardner Minshew? I'm so happy for this dude. It's awesome. I know know they lost to to the Chiefs last week, but I am all in. I hope Gardner Minshew, Wally Pipps, Nick Foles. I don't have anything against Nick Foles. I just want Gardner Minshew to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. I, I would like that story as well. He I, just, I don't know him, guy. but he seems like such a good guy. And then coming in and talking about the backup Dobbs and like, no, I'm not even in the same room as this guy. He's so smart. I I like him as a personality. Like, I'm sorry that I didn't get to spend time with him at the Senior Bowl. Like, he looks like a fun fella. He absolutely does. Number twenty four USC. I think the surprise of last week, maybe or the last two weeks, is USC. They're minus four at BYU. The over under is forty eight and a half. That over under, I might go under on. I know USC's got this young quarterback, uh, Tolvis. Is that his name? Something Slovis. Like Slovis. I was close. Yeah. Um, he looked great. Freshman looks great. He's been lighting it up. BYU, Bronco Mendenhall's defenses are traditionally pretty, pretty strong. This can be a tough place to play. So I, I would maybe go under on this one, but I do think that USC wins, and I think they cover that minus four. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I do think USC wins, but I do think that there's still just so much going on at USC. It's going to be tough for them to go into BYU and win this game. So setting it at minus four for USC, that's such a tough number to play with because I do think that this game is going to be close. It, it won't get much worse than that. So I'm going to take USC outright. And as far as the over-under goes, I'm going to take the over just because I think USC can put up points again. They put up points against Stanford. That looked impressive. So I think that they can probably get the job done against BYU as well. I know we were hard on this Trojans team a little bit over the summer, but there are things that I really like about them right now. One being their corner, Elijah Griffin. That is Warren G's son. Uh, He's Awesome, awesome defensive back. Very young corner. Obviously, Slovis now flashing at quarterback. They have good wide receivers. I like USC in this game as well. And things are trending up finally for the Trojans. I know it's early, but things still look good at least. And I'll say, I mean, BYU barely beat Tennessee. I mean, they took them to overtime last week. So uh, I know Tennessee's had a, a rough nice start to, to the season. Matt. I know. I don't need another bad review. Tennessee's had a rough start to the season. Uh, maybe that's where we start to see the volunteers build some confidence and get back in there. Uh, I like Jeremy Pruitt. I'd love to see him get that turned around you guys mentioned Stanford losing last week to USC they are at number 17 UCF the the Knights minus seven over under 55 and a half I'm going to take UCF Stanford is so beat up KJ Costello should be back this week but he's been hurt when Mitchell Walker Little's out the Stanford defense just looks absolutely terrible and I this is kind of funny because I've been begging UCF like play somebody just please play somebody they finally (laughs) do and they get like the worst Stanford team in 10 years 
Yeah, I agree with you. And with the Walker Little news, I think that really changes things too. We'll see what KJ Costello can do if he is in there. I wasn't not impressed by what he was able to do against Northwestern. So I'm going to agree with you. I hate when we do this, Matt, but three for three here agreeing with you. I'm going to take UCF as well. I think that traveling is going to be a big difference maker. Going from Palo Alto all the way to Florida, that time zone, it almost killed me going to Vegas, and that is not a big don't jump. Don't rule out the humidity here. Either, and the humidity. I don't know if they're going to be used to that. So I, I do like UCF uh, for all the other reasons. And I think that they're probably better on the field, too. I want to see what Brandon Winbush can do. I like him in this offense. They've been putting up points against nobodies. Now they get a somewhat of a test, I guess, a little bit more of a test against Stanford. But I'm going to take UCF, and I'm going to take the under. Well, I'm disappointed in you guys because this show has uh, you know, been harsh on UCF for some bit. time, and we finally get a chance to pick against them. I'm going with Stanford. Ooh, I know they're baby. beat up. I know UCF has an offense that should easily outscore the Stanford team. I just think they are going to get bullied in this one. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I think this is going to be a shock to them, though, when they see those big boys, the style of football that Stanford plays. I I like the upset in this game. I mean, I don't feel great about betting on Brandon Wimbush. If he even plays, I've watched enough of him. I just I don't think he'll be able to throw against Stanford and do not throw it against a Debo. Yeah, don't even look his direction. Prince Island out there. Number 19, Iowa minus one at Iowa State, the over-under on this one is 47. They're expecting a little bit of a a heavyweight bout in this one, guys. I'm going to take the Hawkeyes even on the road. I think Iowa State is just, I mean, they're down this year. You lose David Montgomery. You lose Hakeem Butler. They haven't replaced those guys that well. Everyone knows my love for Matty Campbell. I think he's a fantastic coach. I think he'll be an NFL head coach soon. He might be the head coach of the Browns next year, the way things are going. But I just don't feel like that they are talented enough to compete with this Iowa team. Nate Stanley has been on a tear the last five games. Some we really haven't spent enough time talking about. But I I think having the week off, I know Iowa State um, barely beat Northern Iowa in the opener. They had the week off. I think Iowa comes into this one really ready to go, and they win this state rivalry. I don't think so, Matt. I'm going with Iowa State in this one, and this is my super underdog locksmith game of the week to bet your money on because I don't have the nuts to bet my own money on. I like this underdog at Iowa State. This is going to be a heated rivalry, and looking at these two teams coming into this season, I liked Iowa State more. I like what they can do at home. Yeah, I know they almost lost to Northern Iowa. I think that's all behind them now. I love this defense. I love the players that they have at every level. I think that they can neutralize Nate Stanley. It can't be that hard. We saw a ton of teams do it last year. You don't have the targets at tight end like they had before. I think that if you can keep A.J. Epinesa away from Brock Purdy, which is going to be difficult, but I think it's doable, I think Iowa State can win this game. Man, I'm a big Matty Campbell fan. I want Iowa State to win this game. I don't think it happens. I think the Hawkeyes win this game in the trenches. I think Epinesa is one of the difference makers in this game. I just think he's going to be a pest for that Iowa State passing attack for the run game the entire time. Also, call me crazy. 47 seems a little high of a number. I think these I teams are going to be very so. scrappy against yeah. each other. Yeah, yeah, these two teams aren't First great. to 20 might win this one. Mello disrespecting Nate Stanley. Watch him go off for like two touchdowns in this one. <laughs> <laughs> number one, Nate Clemson, Stanley going off. Minus 24 at Syracuse, over under 63 and a half. Syracuse almost beat Clemson last year. They got their asses kicked last week by Maryland. I lost Oof. some money on it. Not real happy. Also lost a lot of respect for Dino Babers' ability as a coach while gaining a ton for Maryland's offense, which is unstoppable with Josh Jackson and Little Booger McFarland. 
Clemson's going to win this game. Little Booger. That's his nickname. It just has to be. Clemson's going to win this game, boys. I'm going to take the over, and I think Clemson covers minus 24. This one's tough. It was a game that I was kind of highlighting all year because I thought that Syracuse was going to be good. I jumped on the bandwagon, and they absolutely got destroyed by Maryland. Exactly. So I'm going to take Clemson because I think that's the obvious win here. But I also haven't been that impressed with what Clemson has been doing. They put up 24 points against A&M. I was not impressed by any of the performances there that Saturday. Uh, 52 on Georgia Tech. Thank God for Travis Etienne because he did everything for them. So I don't think that Clemson is going to cover, but I do think that they are going to win as far as the over-under. I'm just not feeling great about these offenses after last week, so I'd probably take the under as well. Yeah, I'm going Clemson all the way. I think the, they have a shot to cover here. I know that line is fat, but I'm going with Clemson as well. Another fat line that I wanted to throw in here, I got Ohio State uh, favored by 16 against Indiana. I, I think they easily smashed that cover. So some really, really big lines this week, boys. But uh, when you look at this Clemson team, after seeing what Maryland did to Cuse, Clemson has no excuse not to at least do the same. At least our guy Andre Cisco had a pick. That makes me feel a little bit better. And I'll throw this note out before we go to break and come back with our top five Heisman candidates. There is not one game this weekend that is a top 25 matchup. When that happens, there's usually an upset. So something to keep an eye on this weekend. I know that's ominous. Maybe it's Iowa State on the super underdog Logsmith game of the week to bet your money on because Melo doesn't have the nuts to bet his own money on. Guys, it is Heisman time. We have put off talking about this until we got a couple weeks under our belts. But now we are going to give you our top five Heisman candidates. Mello, kick us off, buddy. And I, I'm going to start with, I think, the guy who's going to win the Heisman at the end of the year. I don't like to say it, but it's Jalen Hurts. What he's doing, the way that he's performing on the field and off of the field, I really like him. I have never in my life liked an Oklahoma quarterback. Jalen Hurts is the guy. I love him. I wish him all the success this year, and I think that he's going to do it. Obviously, Lincoln Riley is going to help him put up the numbers. Oklahoma is going to be in a position to be one of the top teams. He plays quarterback. He just fits the formula. He's going to do it. If it's not him, obviously, I think you have to talk about Tua, who's also having an exceptional year, who actually looks healthy this year, scrambling last week, getting the ball out to these exceptional receivers. That's a no-brainer. Tua will be in New York. The folks at Alabama, go ahead and book his ticket. He will be there. For me, he's number two. Number three, I still like Jonathan Taylor. I was on him all year last year trying to get him to New York. This guy's going to rush for almost 2,000 yards. He's done everything for Wisconsin this year, catching the ball out of the backfield, carrying it well, rushing for about 100 yards every game. I really like him, and I want to see Wisconsin play well. I can't wait to see them on the tailgate tour with Jonathan Taylor. The next quarterback, I'm just picking anti-Texas guys right here. This goes to show that my unbiased opinion does come through sometimes. Joe Burrow, like you guys mentioned, he looks amazing. This is not the same Joe Burrow that I saw. I don't know what happened when he got hit during that bowl (laughs) game, but it turned him into a damn good quarterback. The spider bite version of quarterback play? (laughs) Exactly, yes. that's he. It's working for him. I like Joe Burrow, and I think he's a guy that we have to talk about as a draft prospect, as a Heisman candidate. Uh, I know our buddy Adam Heisler was even saying that he's kind of fitting into this Baker Mayfield mold. This coming out of nowhere, going to rise to the top with the swagger. Similar personality. He's starting to get a little bit more comfortable. And I I think just like Baker Mayfield, it took a year. Now he's in year two. And we're going to start to see Joe Burrow kind of come out of his shell because he's a damn good quarterback. He's performing very well. And the last guy, I got to get one of our defense for Heisman guys on here. 
And for me, it's Chase Young. If you're going to have one of these guys do it, and I'm leaving off Justin Fields, who I think could be up there as well. But I think at Ohio State, I would like to see Chase Young at least get some recognition and get some other people talking. Obviously, it's just been too long since we've had a guy even considered for the defense for Heisman thing. So we have to make it happen. It's just been too long. Chase Young's playing too well. I had to give him a shout out. I love that pick, Melo, because I think if you're going with a defender in the country right now, it's it really is Chase Young right now. He's been dominant. He's going to have the sack numbers. As we always try to keep defense for Heisman going, you need production, and he's got that. My list starts off with somebody that is on his team. That would be first-year starting quarterback, Justin Fields. I just think when we do this Heisman list, some of it is about projecting. And I think Ohio State's going to be in the playoff. I think Fields is going to be a big part of that. I think you look at the numbers Haskins put up in this offense last year. I think Fields can match that. And his ability as a runner might get him over the top. Everything we've seen from him, and he's got the pro traits. We're going to get that into that next year when he's draft eligible. But right now, as a college quarterback in Ryan Day's offense, Fields has been overwhelmingly impressive and I know the competition hasn't been great but I don't think his play is going to dial back once they play good teams so and he's got a lot around him to make it happen Jalen Hurts number two once again the stats are going to be there he plays in the big 12 he looks a lot better a lot more comfortable as a passer already in Lincoln Riley's offense and Oklahoma is one of those teams that's expected to be in the playoff hunt where he's going to be under consideration number three and these guys are all grouped together one two and three there's really no it's one a one b one c two a tongue of Iloa Something that all three of us talked about a lot over the summer. There's going to be a feeling amongst voters that Tua kind of got robbed last year where by losing it right at the end of the season. And if it's a tie between all these guys at the end of the year, I think by default it'll be handed to Tua. He is throwing to players like Judy and Ruggs. He has a great line, but Tua is a great football player. And if you're looking for, you know, a headliner from Alabama who should not lose any games, of course it's Tua. Rondell Moore is number four for me. And this is one we have that one. We have to start talking about this one. He leads the country in receptions already. He is his team's offense. He's a phenomenal receiver. He's a true sophomore, the speed, the strength, the production. He's a go-to kind of target. Now, Will he get invited to the Heisman ceremony at the end of the year? I don't know because you always have to be on a winning kind of team. That's how it goes. But if we're just talking about the best player in college football, the most productive player in college football, you have to have Rondell Moore in that conversation. It's as simple as that for me. Number five, and and you talked about this, Mello. Matt, I know you talked about him uh, very highly, not just as a draft prospect this week, but also as a college player. Joe Burrow, the steps he's taken, he looks like a completely different quarterback in this offense. He's not just managing the offense. He's a playmaker in that LSU offense this year. Yeah, and I'll tell you, man, I doing a lot of uh, phone calls this week talking about quarterbacks, and the Joe Burrow love is for real out there. Like, to say, yeah, the, this could be a Baker-like rise, it really could be. I'm so excited to see him uh, when we get to the Senior Bowl. I, I assume that we will be seeing him there. Uh, tops on my list, guys, and I, I will say, this is who I think should win, not who will. Because I could actually see voters having a backlash against Tua. Because it's like, oh, well, he has Jerry Judy and he has Henry Ruggs and he has all this talent around him that he, it's kind of like, why does Tom Brady only have what, like three MVPs? Or why did, why does LeBron not win it every year back during his amazing run? You just kind of get tired of people being good. And I think the voters could actually revolt against that a little bit. I personally think they did last year. They were looking for Tua to slip so someone else could win it. Not to take anything away from Kyler Murray, but Tua this year has just been 
frankly, unstoppable. Uh, 66% completion percentage last week. Uh, he's over 75 on the year. Seven touchdowns passing, one rushing, no turnovers. Tua just looks unstoppable again. So he's tops on my list. Jalen Hurts is at number two. Uh, I know Mello said this earlier in the show. I love Jalen Hurts so much off the field that I think it almost impacts how I view him on it because he's such a great leader and the character's so good and he's just, he's solid. And he's playing so loose and relaxed. Six passing touchdowns, no interceptions so far. We're seeing him really get involved on the ground as well. He's already got three rushing touchdowns. So we could see a 50 touchdown season from Jalen Hurts, which would win him the Heisman, in my opinion, you know, regardless of what we see guys like Tua do. So Jalen Hurts, way, way up there. And what helps him? Like, we're going to see Tua play Georgia. We're going to see Tua play Alabama and Auburn, Mississippi State. He's going to play some really good teams. Jalen Hurts ain't playing nobody. And I will throw my Texas Longhorns under the bus on that. Take those fucking shirts off. You can't cover <laughs> and you can't tackle. Jalen Hurts ain't playing anybody till the college football playoff. So that's only going to boost his numbers. That's going to help. Number three, this is where I have Justin Fields. I have been so impressed by his performance. I think you got to ha- tip the hat a little bit to Ryan Day, to Brian Hartline, the wide receivers coach there. This is a team that lost Paris Campbell. They lost Mike Weaver. They lost Scary Terry. They lost some big talent. And now they just turned it in. Oh, we got a new quarterback. We got three new starting receivers. We're fine. Dude right now is completing 76% of his passes, six touchdowns, no interceptions. And they haven't played terrible teams. Cincinnati's not a bad team. Uh, kind of like we were saying with Tua, like we're going to see Justin Fields challenged a little bit uh, within his conference. So that will maybe make or break him. But Dwayne Haskins threw for 50 touchdowns last year. And I think Fields is going to be on a pace to do that. I mean, six passing, three rushing already. He's going to run. In two games. So that's going to help him out. And they're going to probably be undefeated. That's a huge key here for me. Uh, number four on the list, it is our guy Jonathan Taylor. He hasn't had the huge rushing games yet. I mean, he busted up for 135 against South Florida. Only 102 against Central Michigan. But the key here is... He already has eight touchdowns because he is getting involved more in the passing game. He has three receiving touchdowns. So I can see Jonathan Taylor having easily a 25, 28 touchdown season when it comes to all purpose yardage. And I do think, you know, he hasn't had a 20 carry game yet. I think we'll see his carries really uptick. Maybe even, you know, this weekend Wisconsin's off and then we're at their game against Michigan. Um, I, I can see him having a big carry game coming off a bye. So I would expect if Jonathan Taylor goes for like 250 against Michigan, and he could, I mean, Michigan's defense is pretty weak so far this year. I think that puts him on the national stage. And then number five on my list, I'm going all offense, guys. It is Joe Burrow. Um, when you tear up Texas like Burrow did, you're on the radar. And, and like you guys said, he has been nearly flawless the last three games we've seen him play going back to that UCF bowl game he didn't have the one pick against Texas but still to rally that team to win as long as LSU remains a top five team I think Burrow has a chance to get his name called and the bad thing about doing a top five is there are guys that that I had to leave out like Travis Etienne is saving Clemson season right now arguably Trevor Lawrence has not played that well T Higgins uh, has been fine Justin Ross has been fine but it's all Travis Etienne Rondell Moore is a great one. Chase Young, I'm so glad you put him up there. I really thought last year Josh Allen should have been invited to New York with the stats he had. Maybe Chase Young gets the invite this year if he's on a good enough team. Draft on draft time, boys. And a question from, I believe, I've, this person has never asked before. I think it's Ponzi Caliph. I think I'm saying that right? I don't it know. looks right. Looks right. Which like young it. quarterback are you taking to have a better all-around college career? And we're going real young here. Spencer Sanders or yeah. Brock Purdy. I know Spencer Sanders is Mello's guy. 
I am actually going to echo that as well. I assume that's who you're going to take. Yeah, I'm yeah. taking Spencer Sanders. Yeah, I really like him, and I, he didn't get the chance last year. He redshirted, uh, but you know they had the quarterback that was there in place for a very long time. I'm excited to see what Mike Gundy can do with Spencer Sanders. I think he's a very good athlete in this spread system. And for some reason, Gundy hasn't been pulling in athletes at quarterback. They've been these tall, stand-in-the-pocket type guys. Like your, now Rudolph was there forever, it seems like. I want to see what Spencer Sanders and Mike Gundy can do once they team up and we really get things going because he is still young. I like Brock Purdy. Uh I don't know. He doesn't wow me. There, there are I no agree. traits there early yeah. in his career that make me say that this guy's going to be something special. I think he's going to be one of those quarterbacks who starts for four years. He's going to have a shitload of wins under his belt, but I don't think he's going to do anything that really wows me. Spencer Sanders, I think that he will, and I think he will very soon. Yeah, I think in that system, Sanders will have more production, will be the more exciting player. I do agree with you, Melo, that Purdy's one of those guys that might be a longtime starter and you you know walk away from his career and you look and you go, wow, he won a lot of games. But I think there's a lot more excitement around Sanders' ability and what he can do in their offense. I like Sanders. And like Melo said, it's so great to see Oklahoma State open things up a little bit. You know, we, we've sure. seen him run the ball more. I, I think against Oregon State, he had over 100 yards rushing. He has six touchdowns a year, no picks. And he and Tylen Wallace have a really nice connection going. So I, I would pick Spencer Sanders. Um, and it, he's another guy. Like when we see them play Oklahoma, see them play Texas, he's going to put up big numbers. See them play West Virginia, he's going to put up really, really big numbers. So I, I'm with you on Spencer Sanders. Mike Hubbard. With this circus show of tanking in Miami going on, what are the chances Tua says, fuck it, I'm not playing in Miami? Tua's not that kind of guy. No, he's not. He's not. He'll just go back to school if he feels that way. Exactly. That's what I think. I don't think that he would ever come out and be like, you know what, I'm not going to Miami. Anybody else can draft me. I think that he would see, oh, the Dolphins have the first pick? Nah, I'm good here with Nick Saban. I'll go win another national championship. And if he doesn't get the Heisman, he would definitely be the front runner going into that next season. You guys have heard me say this, though, so many times. And and this was my thing about Baker. It was one of my favorite things about Baker Mayfield was there were reports that like Josh Rosen didn't want to go to the Browns. And maybe Sam Darnold didn't want to go to the Browns. But Baker was like, I'll go to the Browns. I'll turn it around. Like, I'll fix the Browns. Please draft me. Like, I got you. And I can almost see two is not that loud, but I can see him having the confidence of, yeah, if the Dolphins want to draft me, like I'll just go there and be a great leader and a great teammate, a great quarterback, and I'll they'll build a fucking statue of me. I'll I'll take Dan Marino's thirteen and wear it. Like I don't care. So I think that's one thing. Like Tua is a little he's understated, but I think he's confident enough. So it's that double edged sword. Just remember, only one time we've two times we've really seen quarterbacks say, I don't want to play there, and that was John Elway and it was Eli Manning. Yep. You know, like there have been some quarterbacks drafted in shitty situations. Jared Goff had to play for Jeff Fisher, guys, and he didn't say anything. So I think more often than not, we are going to see guys like Tua have the confidence in themselves to say, I can turn this around. And I, I actually, it would, it would bother me as an evaluator if Tua was like, no, nah, I don't want to go to Miami. Like, why? I can see his dad stepping in, like uh, with yeah. the Manning situation. His dad has a lot of control. I mean, his dad decided where he went to play college ball, I believe. It's kind of a or at least, you thing, know, right? had a yeah had a, a very big say in it. So I don't know that we would see it from Tua, but I really wouldn't be surprised if his dad started making a little bit noise, more noise once it does come time for draft season. I, I think when it comes down to it, yeah, it's as simple as if he doesn't want to go there, he'll just go back to school. It's as simple as that. And we don't even know if he'll be picked over 
you know, Herbert, or I mean, that's really probably what it's going to come down to him, Herbert, unless, you know, shock, you know, somebody shocks the world and doesn't take a quarterback. The Dolphins don't take quarterback, which they will. I think when it comes down to it, though, two is just not that kind of guy. We haven't had it. I just am looking or like thinking of it in a while. It's hard to project somebody like, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence won't be like that when that time comes. He'll go play wherever. He's just Justin Fields won't be like that. I don't think. I think he'll go play wherever. It's a very rare. As long as Jake Fromm's not there. (laughs) Hey, hey. oh my God. Yeah. When it comes down to it, guys just get drafted and they go. And if they are nervous about that and have eligibility, they go back to school. I don't even think Eli. I don't think twenty-two-year-old Eli was like, no, I don't want to play for the Chargers. No, not at all. No, that's Archie being like, hey, uh, no. Which. I mean, he has won two Super Bowls, so that's that's a yeah. whole rabbit hole we could go down. Dakota Cox wants to know, what are the odds that Alabama-LSU game will be a matchup of unbeaten teams by the time November rolls around? We will be at this game, so I selfishly yes. hope that it is two unbeaten teams. But, guys, LSU's schedule is really, insane. really tough. It's insane. It's the only so good bad. thing is they're home against Florida, who's a top-10 team right now, and they're home against Auburn, who's a top-10 team right now. Right. But holy shit. I it's mean, not even just those games. Vandy uh, Vandy has not been good, but Vandy's a little bit scary because they have some guys on offense. Utah State has my dude Jordan Love out there just slinging bullets. Like you said, there's the, the Florida game. Rivalry going games to Mississippi State's weird. not easy. Going right. to Mississippi State. Auburn comes to town. Th- this schedule, that is tough, man. It. I love Coach O. I think he's hilarious. I think he's an underrated coach. Uh, obviously, uh, Brady, their offensive coordinator, is doing some amazing things. But this is a bit of a murderous row, and Alabama's playing like nobody during yeah. this time. I, Listen, I they got to play Tennessee. <laughs> I yeah, do think right. both these teams will be undefeated when we go to see them in November. I, I definitely think that they can handle it. You don't think A&M's tripping up no, Alabama? No, I think obviously Alabama's going to run the table, and I think pretty easily. They face Arkansas the week before LSU. They got Tennessee on that schedule, Ole Miss on there. Look out for Southern Miss. They might you know, disrupt some things. But if they can, they have to get through Texas A&M, and that's it. And we just saw Clemson do it, so I think Alabama can do it as well. LSU, you're right. They do have some more tests. But I still, I think they can get it done. I, they host Florida, like Connor said. They get Auburn at home. The only thing that would worry me is if they're looking at that Auburn game and they're looking ahead to Alabama. They, they've been tripped yep. up before in situations like that with Coach O. So if they can get through that Alabama, or sorry, not looking ahead to Alabama, I think they'll be fine. I think they're a better football team than Auburn. I just worry about them worrying too much about Alabama. Do you think maybe... I? I don't, I'm not trying to piss off LSU fans because that was a great great game and it was a great win. I mean, they've beaten Georgia Southern and an overrated Texas team. Like, I think we need to see them play somebody. Uh, yeah, I agree because obviously I pointed out the fact that, that Texas defense is not good. Not yeah, good. You can wear whatever T-shirt you want, but when you're not playing well, it doesn't matter. Uh, I do think that this is a good football team, though, to put up that many passing yards against a talented team, even though they are under overrated, is different, but I, I like what I'm seeing so far out of LSU because they haven't really asked, they haven't got much out of their defense yet. And there are a lot of players on that team that need to show up, need to see Chase on do a little bit more than what he did against Texas. And I think eventually they'll get things ticking there. I wouldn't overlook Florida for them. I, I do think that Florida's still pretty good. Even if they can just overcome their quarterback, that's a good football team. But I do think and expect and hope that both of these teams will be undefeated when we see them on November 9th. Yep. All right, Ben Money Morris, who's your favorite coach of all time, college or professional, and why? I don't know how many people know this about me. 
I, I think a lot of folks would expect me to say Bill Walsh is my favorite coach of all time. And, and he was like growing up. I wanted to be Bill Walsh. That was my life goal. Bill Belichick is my favorite coach of all time. I love the way, and I Ugh. tweeted about this during the game the other night. I know Connor, sorry. I love the Patriots philosophy of, okay, like let's just look at their backfield. They have Sonny Michelle, they have James White, they have Rex Burkhead, and they have uh, Devlin, the fullback. Each of those guys has a very specific role, a thing that they're really good at. The Patriots look at James White and say, you're not that great of a runner, but you can catch the ball really well. You're a good route runner, and you can match a ball against linebackers. We'll throw the ball to you 18 times a game in the Super Bowl if we have to, and we'll win the fucking game. So I love that Belichick, the greatest coach of all time, he could sit up on his little ivory tower and say, I want guys who do this. But instead, he, which is true scouting, says, okay, what does Rex Burkhead do well? I'm going to put him in a position to do that. What does Julian Edelman do well? What do all these just role players that, you know, guys like their offensive line? How many of those guys start for anyone else? Not many. Like they had like a, the, their center sucked so bad the other night that <laughs> I can snap the ball faster probably. And they still, they scored 33 points on the Steelers. Like Belichick's ability to just put people in situations to excel is I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, I mean, you went on like a five-minute rant there about Belichick, so there's that one. I was going to say Mac Brown, just because he brought the championship to my team. You're just a Mac Brown hater. I would would call you a traitor. He is responsible (laughs) for everything that Texas has. Every single thing. Because they were dog shit when he got there. They had Ricky Williams, and Ricky Williams probably wouldn't have made it to his junior season without Mac Brown there. So anything that Texas has done recently was with Mac Brown. They didn't do shit with Charlie Strong. They haven't done shit with Tom Herman yet. Mac Brown is the guy at Texas. Thanks, Vince. Yes, thanks, he, Vince. Young. He was there for a little bit too long, but still, he brought in Vince. He got the best YouTube's out of it. YouTube's gonna see us get mad at each other. It's like the only thing that we get mad <laughs> yeah. about is Mac Brown. Because I, I look at I, the screen and terrible. get ready for a fight or some He's, wrestling. Some wrestling. <laughs> Yeah, I just don't like Mac Brown. I mean, I love him. Like, if he were my grandfather, it'd be awesome. But I, God, he was just so bad there at the end. At the end. Uh, at the end. Okay. Favorite Connor, coaches. I mean, I don't really have a favorite coach because none of the t- rich uh, coach. coach. Yeah, that's my favorite. That's a great one, man. I mean, I really like like I read about coaches. I really like Bill Parcells and just the the Parcells tree. And he's coached everywhere. Obviously the most success of the giants, but he coached the jets had a brief turnaround for the jets. Um, honestly, my favorite jets coach would, and this was very short lived, but I thought he was the best drafting mind was Eric Mangini. All of the players that Rex won with were Mangini's players. That's the big one for me. I think right now, my favorite coach, I know this is cliche, but I think we loved him as soon as he started coaching, is Sean McVay. I just think his personality, his ability to you know connect with players, obviously he's one of the brightest offensive minds we've seen. And yeah, he lost in the Super Bowl, but the guy is in his early 30s. I mean, come on. So I think when all said and done, I think Sean McVay will go down as probably my favorite coach that we've watched in this era. This is a little bit off topic. Is it hard as a Jets fan? Let's go to see like Pete Carroll and Bill briefly Belichick. Bill Belichick were both <laughs> the head coach of your team, and they've gone on to win Super Bowls elsewhere and be like in the last fifteen years two of the greatest coaches in the NFL. And the Jets it's hilarious. Like, it's okay. absolutely hilarious. I wasn't like, sure what, how I was poking. I knew I, you know, no. So. Oh, I don't care. People always are like that with me, and I feel like you two know it more than anyone. Like I don't. 
like care about Jets jokes or anything because it's they're all true and yeah. hilarious. Like what it's like stereotypes? Like I didn't want them to hire Adam Gase, but no, now didn't. I have to sit here and watch. The, I wanted Todd Munkin, who I think can be a Pete Carroll, a guy that in his very very late stage of his career is creative and energetic and fun, and now he's buried behind a guy that is way in over his head in Cleveland and Freddie Kitchens. So let's not even get he into might that. be the head coach in Cleveland before long. <laughs> he so. He's a forward be. thinker. He's more qualified <laughs> right. than Freddie Kitchens, and I'm sorry, Browns fans, if you don't want to hear that, but Baker Mayfield hired Freddie Kitchens. John Dorsey should have hired the coach. So, anyways. Connor's going to get them all riled up before this tailgate. I know. They do not like me right now because I made the Trevor Simeon Baker Mayfield joke, which was a joke. It's not a it's joke. A joke. It's Trevor's 13 and 11. Baker's 6 and 8 or whatever it is. Hey, I'm sorry. Winners. That's what it comes down to with these starting quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think heard, that's oh, the biggest oh, joke in I the world. I heard somebody say that. I don't like, remember who. Oh, man. The, win- the quarterback wins is the funniest, funniest thing. So, but I will be really obnoxious if the Jets win. Yeah. Really anxious. So I'm sorry. <laughs> it is going to be a great night. E11 around 5.30 will be there. Um, it, it is going to be a good time. We'll be recording the podcast at 6. If you want to come by, we'll be handing out free koozies. Yep. Uh, Connor's dad's going to be there, which is just awesome. Which is great. Um, it's great dad's fun. here. Yeah, so if there's <laughs> a fire, everything's okay. He's going to put it <laughs> right. out. Exactly. Um, and, Bra- I- and Browns fans, if you're coming, because I'm sure everyone's selling their Jets tickets, please come to the tailgate. We want fans. Yeah. Every tailgate, we want both fans. We had LSU fans in Austin. They were yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah, oh, they were. They were. I went from thinking I was going to fight that guy to thinking he was my best he, friend. He was awesome. I, <laughs> I don't think we've recapped any of this tailgate, but he almost got into a fight What's with me? somebody else. Yeah. And we actually went to help him out. So even if we're not fans of your team, if you're on the tailgate tour, you're sticky. You're one of us. That's we right. will support you. We've got your back. And little known fact, my fight or flight is all fight. I use, I have not been to a football game or bar in like seven years where I didn't try to break up a fight. It's a true story. So special just, guest referee, Maddie Mills. Right. <laughs> Maddie Mills <laughs> reffing it up, maybe. That's not the jersey I'll be wearing Monday night, but it will be a special one. We will see you guys there. From Eloha Connor, this is Matt. Don't forget, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on Apple Pods and Spotify, and we will yell at you guys Tuesday morning, live from MetLife Parking Lot.